Capital A asbestos. <laughs> Capital. <laughs> yeah, Anna asked me how to spell asbestos. I'm like, spell it out. How do you spell it? And she's like, A S S. No, I said I don't know how to spell it, and then you said A S N. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast season <laughs> episode three. It's December now, so that's exciting. Happy December. It's gotten to the winter in Florida, which means it's 70. Yes, this morning it was 59 degrees. 58. Yes, and it was cold. It was very cold. But then I wore a sweater to work, but then by lunchtime I was literally sweating. I think the high was like 78 today though. Yeah, but it's still hot in the sun. Yeah. In the full sun. It's not fun. You standing outside at work? No, it just gets hot in the office. All the windows. <laughs> Rachel doesn't have any windows in her office. It's, uh, I pull up the cameras because I have access to like the company cameras and I pull them up and I <laughs> just look at the I sun know. outside. It could be hurricaning outside and I wouldn't know. Same. Because I'm like on the interior of the building as well. So I can't even hear the rain. It's crazy. <laughs> Checks the security cameras for the weather. But anyways, Anna just got back into town. She was out. I was out for the the holidays. She was out for Thanksgiving. How was your trip? Trip was good. Got to see lots of fam and friends. Did they convince you to move back home? Uh, They tried. How did it go? Um, Well, I mean, what? (laughs) Did they win? No, I'm here right now. No, I mean like... No, they actually didn't try super hard. Well, our official meeting that we were supposed to have turned more into a party, so we never really had the conversation. Okay, good. Yeah. I was worried. Yeah. No. <laughs> Anna's trying to buy a house or some kind of property, and I'm trying to convince her to do it here, but her family wants her to do it there. I did pull up a house for sale here at the same size, like same specs as one in Lakeland, and the cost difference was ungodly, just to show my family to be like, oh, this is what I'm looking at down there. And they're like, no. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. But who wants to live in Lakeland? I'm just kidding. All those Lakeland people listening. (laughs) What was your high of the week? Or shall we say your praise report? Oh. As we do in the Christian community. (laughs) Like high school, middle school. Um, High was getting to see a lot of friends and family. I saw a bunch of high school friends that I normally only see when I go home for holidays. So that's always fun. Mm -hmm. I only see them a couple times a year um that also is the low I was really tired when I got back (laughs) I mean it was really fun but at the same time I feel like I didn't take a break so yeah um my high is that I started eating avocado toast for breakfast and I feel so much better than a bagel with cream cheese was that the first thing yes so if you've been following along on the breakfast saga or saga saga (laughs) (laughs) um I've been doing avocado toast this week and it's literally life-changing I don't even think about lunch until like 12, 15, which is insane because normally by 10, 45, I'm like ravenous. Yeah. But I just get so zoned in working hard that it's 12, 30 and I'm like, wow, I'm leaving in two hours. (laughs) (laughs) It is nice. It's like, oh, maybe I'll just wait and eat lunch when I get home. When lunch is later, it makes the day go by faster, I feel like. I agree. I like to make my lunch go at least till 12. Otherwise, the after lunch part is super long. Dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have a low for the week, which is good, I guess. Nothing bad happened. Pretty content, I have to say. Wow. Yeah. Yesterday, we went on a two-mile walk. I saw that. Yeah. Very nice. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a two-mile walk after work today, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I signed up for a half marathon when I was home. Wow. I got, I, my whole, 
not really whole family, but a lot of people in my family did. And I was like, sure. So we're doing that. When is it? Uh, it's March. It's not for a while. Or How many miles? A, a half marathon is 13.1 miles. Not so. everybody knows that, so. You're right. Not everyone knows that. So <laughs> She looked at me like, <laughs> obviously, it's 13 and a half miles. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> is there a swimming portion? No, that's a triathlon. <laughs> this is just a run. Okay, we got a couple of emails, or a handful, I should say, and we're excited to read them. You want to read one? I, yeah, I got to move, though. We have to um, rotate. Like, you read one, I read one. I have one. to read I the read whole one. thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is titled Friendship Advice. Uh, and don't say their name. I wasn't. Anonymous. And it says, hello, Rachel slash Anna. I would love to hear your input on a lost friendship that brings the sadness, colon, Oh, sorry, brings me. Okay. <laughs> Don't be so literal. So I have very few friends, and I made this one good friend in college. We were really close for like two years, and college started to get stressful for me. I was kind of taking way too many classes, and I wasn't being a very good friend. I lashed out one time, and her and her other friend, and there was a bit of competition going on. I felt like in teams of grades. <laughs> and her, this is bad. It's Can I do this again? No, it's fine. <sighs> Okay, in terms of grades, we would make the same classes. We would take the same classes at first. Anywho, I felt really bad and apologized, but after the incident, the friendship was never the same. She even said something to be like, once something happens on a relationship, it's never the same. I've been trying to reconnect, and I message her. I'm usually the one initiating conversation and try to catch up and hang out, but she always says she's busy. Every time I see her her Insta store, (laughs) I actually am busy. I see her Insta stories, I get a bit sad, so my question is, should I give up on that friendship and maybe even unfollow her on Insta? That way I'm not feeling guilty every time I see her stories. Have you gals had a similar experience? Yes, I know it's my fault for messing up the friendship, and now I'm more aware and careful on how I react when I'm stressed or going through something. I love the reflection at the end. It's like, it's not always the other person's fault, you know? Like, we all, we need to take the blame for our, our part of it. Oh, yeah, she seems like she's owning up to it. She's just sad that the other person isn't forgiving her. I would say if you've done your best to apologize for... We don't have many details here, but if you've done your best to apologize and show remorse and show that you want her as a friend again and she is not willing to forgive you or move past that, then you've done what you can. You know? You got to move on. (laughs) I think Rachel and I are probably extreme ends of the spectrum for this thing where I think you would probably do that. And I would like to think the same way, but I would personally probably not and then keep trying and then get just destroyed. So oh my gosh. I'm just saying I would probably would get No, it. I would try like maybe five times max. Five, five is the Like number. spaced out. Like I would space them out and give her time to, yeah. you know, get over it or forgive me. But if it's like two years later and she's still upset over that one time that I went off on her because I was competing with her on her grades like if that's the only thing that you've done and she isn't willing to have you back then what kind of friend is that you know you can only control yourself can't control what the girl does only what you can do it's not really great advice though we didn't really tell her anything well apologize as much as you can give her a little bit of time or a lot of time depending on how serious your infraction was that's true if she doesn't I like the unfollowing her on Instagram too. That's probably helpful because I think yeah. Maybe... Or you can mute her so that you don't see her posts or her stories. Yeah. But if you think unfollowing her will trigger her to be like, "Wow, oh my gosh." Oh, that's true. People react you know? to that. 
Hi, Rachel and Anna. Firstly, just wanted to say it was great listening to your first episode. You guys have a great dynamic and friendship, which made it so interesting to listen to. (laughs) I have a scenario for you that occurred to me a while ago, but I'm interested what you both would do. It's about friendships at work. Please keep me anonymous. Don't worry, girl. We got you. I work for my family business. And when I first started, I was very friendly with one of my colleagues but not enough that we would completely take our relationship out of work. Okay, so just inside of work. It's harder than I thought to Uh read. I know, it's super small. (laughs) Slowly though, I started to realize that maybe she wasn't a great fit for the company work-wise. She would be negative, twist situations, and be controlling. I continued to be there and support her during work, even if it meant I had to stay late due to... No, that's where I crossed the line. (laughs) (laughs) Taking up time during my work day to console her. I gave her the contact details of my therapist when she was thinking of seeking help. Good for you. Whilst at work, she was taking an open university course and would study during lunchtime. This is, of course, fine. However, from sitting across from her, I noticed over the course of months that she would spend hours studying for university on the clock. I already knew that she would watch TV at work, but seeing how all this impacted the business, clients weren't happy, targets were not being met, and she was pushing back responsibilities to others, saying she was busy, it became the final straw. When I saw her hiding her schoolwork when my father, aka the CEO, came over to ask her a question, I felt betrayed, and in private, I informed him of what was going on. Her manager was involved, and she was given a written warning and quit not long after. I now choose not to have friendships at work to avoid situations like this and keep it purely professional. I've made peace with the decision and I think I should have acted sooner, but I'm interested to know how would you have handled the situation? Do you think I should have spoken to her directly? Would you even have reported her activities sooner? What are your opinions on friendships at work? Many thanks. Anonymous. Um, interesting. I, I think she did the right thing of a, turning her in. I think it's hard, though. I, I mean, I think I, I very rarely have work friendships that make it outside of work. They, I have some. Yeah, and I think when you work for your dad, I mean, I can kind of relate. Yeah. <laughs> you have a different sense of... Ownership. You, of yeah. ownership of the company. So when someone wastes work time or work money, it really hits different when it's your dad's money or your family's money. Yeah. So I can totally relate of why you felt... Like you needed to tell him, I would have done the same thing. I I do the same thing at work when I feel like someone's abusing company time or doing something unethical. I would definitely speak up. I don't think you should feel guilty for it. You tried to give her the benefit of the doubt, but she kept doing it. And, you know, you did the right thing. Yeah, that's kind of, I go into work thinking I'm not going to be like have long-term friendships with them. And if that happens with an employee or like a coworker, then that's fine. But I don't like expect it in any of my work friendships. Hey, Rachel, my name is Anonymous. (laughs) We're going to keep everybody anonymous just in case, okay? So, okay. Hey, Rachel, I was telling my boyfriend that I love your channel because I work in a sector of the construction industry, specifically lighting. So I can totally relate to your topics of work being stressful, cutthroat, and male dominant. Big fan of your channel and just subscribed to the podcast. Woohoo! Thank you. Seeing how much you've grown the past year, congrats, by the way. I wanted to ask you about how it is being a YouTube star and trying to live a life of minimalism. She did not say YouTube star. (laughs) I literally add that in subconsciously. (laughs) In your earlier vlogs, there was a lot of purging of the home because you weren't a fan of unused stuff. For example, the bachelorette mug with your name on it that you got as a gift. LOL. Wow. Throwback. She knows. 
So I was wondering, seeing that you're an influencer who inevitably receives and will receive a lot more PRs and products that are sponsored, do you feel the pull from the opposite directions because you may receive a lot of things that you don't need? Do you ever feel torn between the deal being monetarily attractive but thinking the product may be excess? For example, five pairs of jeans? <laughs> I agree with that one. I always wondered how influencers do it because I know they receive so much stuff and that's what pays the bills, but there may be a downside to it, especially for people who may be more minimalistic than others. Thanks for answering. XOXO. <clears throat> Gossip Girl. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Of course. I love Gossip Girl. You're just not watching off, so how am I supposed to know? Because he was mad that I said that. Did we say that on the podcast? Uh, well, now it is. I can't No, remember. I think I said on my Instagram. Okay. Yeah, Anna calls One True Hill auth, O-T-H. Yeah. And Josie was nobody mad. agrees. <laughs> so, Anonymous, to answer your question, um, yes, I definitely struggle more now that I am, quote-unquote, an influencer. I do Star. receive... <laughs> I do receive a lot of stuff. I do receive five pairs of jeans here and there, and it is a little bit of a struggle. Um, But part of my job is to entertain and inspire, and a lot of that tends to be recommending items that I think my audience would benefit from. So what that means is (laughs) if a brand (laughs) sends me a bunch of clothes to try on for a video, I'll try on the clothes and recommend the ones that I love to you because you guys might be interested in the clothes. But that doesn't mean that I have to keep all of the clothes, if that makes sense. Because I feel like part of my job is to entertain and recommend. But wouldn't it be conflicting if your recommendation is nothing because you're a minimalist? I don't... See, that's the thing about minimalism, which we'll get into. I think minimalism is a scale. So you can fall anywhere on the scale and still be considered in the minimalism spectrum. You know what I mean? So just because... So it's all relative. People have different passions. So if I was passionate about books and that was like the main thing that I collected, but I was minimal in every other area of my life, I would still consider myself a minimalist. You know, you can have collections and passions as long as you don't collect everything or passionate about everything, Okay. you know? Yeah. So for me, I think I'm getting more into fashion over this last year. So you may see me getting five pairs of jeans and keeping one or two and giving away the rest. If I held on to those five pair of jeans, then that would not align with my ideology. Yeah, but what if you got 10 and you kept five? But if I give some of them away or sell them in a timely manner, then that satisfies my logic, like my internal debate that I have with myself. As long as I'm not keeping the items, I feel good. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like... No, you're not necessarily saying minimalism is for everyone, or are you also no, saying no, no. that too? No, okay. I'm not saying that at so all. So you're just saying to adhere to your spectrum or whatever that you land on To scale. my, like my, me yeah. personally, okay. it, when I get products, sometimes I feel guilty, but I th- I feel better about myself but if I don't... But it's self-inflicted guilt, like it's not like a right or yes. wrong. No, okay. no, 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 of course not. Everybody should do what you want to do. This is just what works for me and what okay. I enjoy. So what I'm saying is, as long as I'm not holding on to the item... I still feel like I'm okay to say that I'm a minimal person, you know? Okay. So I may receive 20 pairs of clothes, but if I give most of them away or don't keep most of them, I'm fine with that. So where did this passion for minimalism stem from? Because do you wake up one day and you are? Are people born this way? I think... 
I think people have different motivations. For me, my motivation to be minimal is to save money. At least that's where it started. Okay. So it started in college and it strengthened when I moved into my own home and got married. Money was tight. We bought the house. We remodeled the house. No, I'm serious. It was. I don't know why you're laughing. Because I remember when we were... So Rachel came to Gainesville and I was still there and she had just bought her house. after. So I had graduated, but she hadn't. Yes, correct. So I'm still in school. Rachel comes back up to visit. She just buys her house just like the weekend before. And we're going grocery shopping to get food for whatever we're cooking. Some chicken, I think. And she, I remember I was, she turns to me, she goes, can you buy this? I just bought a house in my van. I was like, I just laughed. I was like, yes. Did I really? It was like a joke, but I just thought I laughed. Yeah. I was like, here I am in college. And you're like, I just bought a house. I was like, I'll pay the $15 for the chicken. <laughs> no, it's real. After you buy a big purchase, especially yes. like a house, you feel broke because you are, because you just put all your money into this one thing. But no, I started because I wanted to save money and obviously the less things you have the less money you spend and it creeps into other areas of your life so I became minimal with eating out or groceries we tried AJ and I had months and months of how how little can we spend on groceries and survive so we got down to like 60 bucks a week for two people which wasn't fun but it it was fun because it was kind of a challenge yeah so some people's Some people's main motivation is to save the environment. If I'm being honest, that's not my main motivation, although I do think it's a worthy cause, like all sarcasm aside. I think it's great if you do what you can to be green. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's a good movement. Other people are motivated to control their anxiety. This is definitely something for me as well. When I see clutter, I get very anxious, especially... In college, living in a space where I don't have control over the whole house, I only have control over my one room. Roommates. When yeah, when other parts of the house would be messy, I would control my room and like go all out and clean my room and be super controlling over that because it it also helps me keep grounded and avoid lifestyle inflation. Um, now that I have YouTube, I'm making a little bit of money. I can see myself creeping up and buying more things. You know, like I said, I'm getting into fashion. I can finally buy the clothes that I never bought myself before. Keeping a minimal mindset helps me stay in reality and like helps me to stay me, you know? Well, so you are minimal then. I, I think I value that. Yeah. So I would, okay. I think it's a, a, an important value that I have and I don't want to lose it. popularity to change that to an nth degree like it's okay if I change a little bit because change is good sometimes but I don't want it to change me completely what about you you're pretty minimal too you just don't identify as it um yeah I don't know I don't know if I have it so much as a, a mindset necessarily or if I would maybe I've never heard the word I guess before or the don't movement. you watch my videos I meant like before, like I don't think before you coining the term, I would have said, I am a minimalist or whatever. A lot of what I like to do is just be very efficient. And with that is a lot of like lean operations, lean Six Sigma for Mm -hmm. all those, Mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, so with that, that just means doing more with less because that's most efficient. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's also because I don't like spending money. So I don't want to spend money and I love the challenge of how little can I spend at the grocery store 
And why in the world would I ever buy something that's name brand when it tastes the exact same? And if I don't know if it's the exact same, I'll do a blind taste test and figure it out if it's really worth it. (laughs) But I don't think I would consider, I would not have considered myself a minimalist until I had to describe myself on YouTube. So when you start to post a video, you have to title it. So it makes you think of like, oh wait, what is this about? And then that's how I came to the conclusion that, oh, maybe I am somewhat of a minimalist and I can use that word for search engine optimization. I think my thing is more about utility. So if something has a high utility, then it's useful for me and it'll stay around. Yeah, that leads into the definition of minimalism, which is when you live as a minimalist, you strive to only use things that serve a purpose. So what serves a purpose for you may not serve serve a purpose for me. And that's why minimalism is not a religion because it's not absolute. It's relative to what that person feels and wants. And so we shouldn't treat it as a strict religion. So we can't point fingers and say, Anna bought a new pair of running shoes. She's not a minimalist. Oh, I have running. I have like five pairs of running shoes. Yeah, because that serves a purpose for you. And that's that's good for you. So everyone just needs to chill out. Have you been called out (laughs) recently or often on this? Yeah, my minimalism videos get the most hate because people point fingers and they say, how can you talk about minimalism when you just bought that new shirt? It's like, excuse me. You did buy a shirt that one said minimalist on it. And I thought that was pretty ironic. Yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) that one, that one got me. That's the thing. Like, I don't like the idea that you have to be black and white. I think life is gray. I agree, but buying a shirt to show that you don't buy things in excess, that's... Maybe I was doing it to be ironic. Yeah, you got me. (laughs) You got me. No, it it was like nine bucks from Marshalls, and I thought it was funny and cute. I know, I'm giving you a hard time. Yeah. I agree with your gray analogy. Frugality and minimalism go hand in hand. I think for most people, money is a big motivator. Saving money is a big motivator. I think they intertwine nicely, and they complement each other. How would you separate them like i almost would say they're the same i think they have the same result a lot of the time but the motivation the motivation and the mindset behind them is different i'm trying to think of an example okay here's one someone (laughs) could be frugal but not minimal right so they go to the dollar store and they buy lots and they buy lots of things for a dollar and they just hoard them and every day they go and they buy one more thing. By the end of the year, they have a closet full of things. And then by age 50, they have a house full of things and you see them on hoarders. They're frugal, but they're weird. So people who are really obsessed with the margins and giving them lower, that's yeah, frugality. Yeah, or like extreme yeah. couponers. Yeah. They're frugal and they save a ton of money, but they're not minimal because they have a basement full of shampoo. Yeah, but maybe to them, that's like their thing. They're, that's my their running shoes. See, that's where it's like, yeah, it's all relative. So do you just don't get on someone else for doing them, you know, like minimalism is not a religion. Has someone told you minimalism is a religion? No, I just feel like extreme minimalists tend to feel like it's a religion and they get mad at people for quote unquote sinning against the minimalism religion. You guys need to have your different denominations of (laughs) minimalism. Frugality is the quality of being economical with money or food. Just those two options. Uh, Also (laughs) called thriftiness. You can only be with money or food. Why would they throw food in there? Because you need money to buy food. Yeah, I am not frugal with food. That's the one thing I'm willing to spend money on. So that's interesting that they throw it in there. So maybe I'm not as frugal as I thought. 
I would agree <laughs> with that. I used to be more frugal. Now I used to get the Papa points back in the day. Yeah. Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think of like a frugal person as the person going to the, you know, the store and looking per ounce or per fluid ounce, whatever it is. I do that. I still do that. Yeah. And I think that's not even, to me, that's not even frugal. That's just like logic. Why in the world would you ever pay for something that's more expensive if it's the same thing? You haven't checked. She doesn't even go grocery shopping. She just orders her food online from the <laughs> that is that not store true. where the bag no. open up their fridge and it's like the it's a bunch of brown bags. And that's that's HelloFresh. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Like, oh, welcome to my house. Brown bag for days. <laughs> no, AJ does. He's been doing all the grocery shopping for like the past year. So she I hasn't been to a store in years. I don't really go grocery <laughs> shopping just because that's like his chore. I love going grocery. Shopping. I hate it. Oh, I love it. It is so fun. I despise it. It's like a, it's a, an amazing task. You go and you have to find all the cheapest things for the best deals and then you leave and you have all this new food in your home. If you guys like frugal tips, you should follow Frugal Fit Mom on YouTube. I keep telling Anna about her, but she never watches her. I, I told her I already do everything she does, so why, why do I need because to watch it? Because it's inspo. Keep you on the right track. And also that, that woman- I don't need her advice. Is yeah. literally Anna she in She wears like the same running years. watch as She's me. an athlete. <laughs> She looks like her. But I don't know about that. Yeah. Okay. It's, she's white. She's got brown hair. No, no. <laughs> she's a woman. No. Similar features. Anyways, check her out. Parsimonious means giving or sharing as little as possible. I was just going to say, there is a difference, I think, between being frugal, which in my mind is smart with your money, and then being parsimonious, which in my mind is being stingy. Parsimonious. It's similar. It just has a different connotation. I like it. There you go. It's a jerry $5 word. Let me use it. They need to know what it means. I just told them. It's got a he negative is, connotation. He is so parsimonious. He never pays the waiter a tip. Ever. Stingy. Yes. That's not good. I don't like people like that. Exactly. Sometimes I think people combine the two. Like if you're frugal, you're parsimonious. I think it's a slippery slope. Sometimes you go in there because it's yeah, so I think easy so. to like save the money. You're like, oh, I don't need to do this. And you're like, no. Yeah. Let me tip 15% instead of 20. I, I used to think those thoughts back in the day. And then you worked a, as a waitress and I know. <laughs> that friend who's always like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll memo you. And then never does. Well, that can be for many reasons. But yes, they could just be that friend. If you're that forgets. friend, if you're that friend, I'm glad you're listening to this. <laughs> and that's fine. We love you for it. We don't love you for that, but we love you overall. See, I'm, this is the year of generosity for me, though, so I'm keeping it going. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's almost over, actually, now that I think about it. So how many times would a friend have to not pay you back for it to bother you or for you to say something? I don't know about time so much as quantity of, like, what, how much they're not paying me back, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how much money, I guess, are you asking? Yes. There's so <laughs> many situations here. Like, there, I've, it would take me a while to ask them for money because I would feel bad, for one thing. Unless it's, like, yeah, my family. awkward. Like, my siblings, I will go after them because I know they have it and I know they just are forgetting and that's, like, fine. Uh, most people, though, I'd just be like, that's fine. Like, whatever. Another definition for frugal is avoiding waste. Yeah, and see, that's the definition that I like because I think optimization or efficiency is... I probably idolize it too much, but it's a lot of what I do for work, for one thing, and then also just how I live my life. So I like that aspect. Like, if you don't need it, why is it there? Mm-hmm. So would you say that you are parsimonious? I would say that I've probably done it one too many times, but it is not what I aspire to. And when it happens, I'm aware of it. But I yeah. hope 
I would be more likely to cheap out on myself versus like someone else. So it wouldn't be necessarily leaving a tip so much as me ordering something less of value. Yeah, sure. Okay. What about you? Well, I think I'm at a point now where I wouldn't even describe myself as super frugal. And AJ's the one who writes the tips, so I don't even see. And he's so generous. Like, I'm glad that I married him because I used to be so frugal. He would bring out the generosity in me. You need that balance. Yeah. And now I feel like because we're in a more comfortable spot financially that I don't feel the need to be parsimonious. But I definitely had those urges back in college. Oh, yeah. And the urges are there. Yeah. I hate writing tips. I mean, I know it's in America necessary, but I think it's stupid that it's necessary. But it's not there, the people who I'm actually writing the tip for. Yeah, it's fault. not their so fault. So I have to remind myself <laughs> of that. And it's just the system at large. And until I can revolutionize that, I got to give them a tip. Tipping in Europe is less expected. Yeah. I'm not going to say not expected at all, but it's like you can leave a, do- a couple dollars. So I've heard, don't come at me. <laughs> I was just in Italy though. Yeah, I kind Did of you know. tip in Italy? Um, when we paid with cash, we would like leave the change. Okay. Yeah. And then with card, they don't give you the option. Oh, nice. So sometimes when we paid with card, we would leave like a couple cash. Yeah. <laughs> a couple cash. <laughs> we left a couple cash. On the we top. just didn't, we didn't want to offend any, anyone either way. So I thought just... it was offensive to tip. I've heard that before. That could be. I don't hearsay. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think anyone would be, would be offended if you give them money. I don't know. You never know. So what does the Bible say about money management slash having excess things? What are some Bible verses? Random off the top of your head. <laughs> we have a list in front of us, by the way. Yeah, we don't have the Bible memorized yet. You want to read one? or? Yeah, I'll read one from Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty i love verses like this where it's like you can be good or you can be bad which one are you gonna be you love weighing the balance of good and evil (laughs) that is your thing (laughs) so the bible is very consistent in in its discussions of being responsible in all areas of your life and money's no exception being diligent um reaping what you sow back in like the old testament when tithing was first introduced you know, they're talking about giving the first fruits. For example, in Exodus 23, 19, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So describe what is a first fruit for someone who may not know. Exactly. So back when you, or still today, people will do farm, you know, you have your first crop that's coming in. And if your entire money and also how you're going to feed your family and keep people alive comes through your crop. And then if you give, your first fruits are the like the first round i'm not a farmer so i don't really know the terms but the first round of your fruits mm-hmm. so you give those to the lord so you dedicate them tithe that would be today tithing before you make sure all your other things are paid off kind of thing like putting that first because it's the same risk that they took back then even more so arguably where they don't know if more crop is coming but the first mm-hmm. ones that come they're giving to the lord so it's putting faith and giving and giving to him what is already his giving too. god your best and your first like that's scary because if you are giving him that it's really faithful where you don't know if more is coming yeah so you just lean on him for to provide which is hard and we don't want to do that and it's not easy even when money's tight we need to be generous and give god our best and our first yeah. and trust that he will provide the rest which leads me into luke twelve twenty two. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? 
since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And then verse 32. It's so convicting. (laughs) Verse 32. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't worry. It doesn't add an hour to your life. All it do is worry. Yeah. All the time. I think giving our first fruits to the Lord is a good reminder and also keeps us in check the same way having a minimalist mindset keeps you in check. Not in the same way, but in the same vein. Like you could be a millionaire, but you could still give your first fruits to the Lord and still feel like you're dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's about how much are you giving? It may not be 10%. It may be more for you to actually feel that impact on your life, you know? It may be less than ten percent. You may only have a quarter because you're you're struggling. A poor woman who gives a quarter is doing more than a millionaire who gives ten percent. Yeah, of a million. It's all relative. Yeah. It's a larger risk for her. So, what's your personal? If you don't mind sharing, what's your personal philosophy on giving? Is it like a solid ten percent? What's like your? For me, it is baseline ten percent of my paycheck pre taxes goes to my church. Mm-hmm. And then that would be like basic, like the bottom. And then whatever else I do after that is whatever else I feel like I want to. Led to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's other stuff that I donate to. We do, well, it's a little bit different now, but because AJ stopped working and it, we had to like recalculate, but <laughs> we had an automatic transfer set up. Every paycheck that we get paid, the mon- 10% goes directly to our church. And then... He stopped working, but now he's doing stocks. But that's so variable that we just kept the same amount. So I didn't, re- we didn't reduce the amount. Yeah. Because he still makes money with stocks. It's just unpredictable. Yeah. So we have that set amount. And then at the end of the month or quarter, or whenever we sit down and like talk about how much money we made and all that stuff, we will then say, okay, what else do we want to do? We may not give it to the church. We do other things like he loves to li- leave large tips. He leaves people like $100 tips all the time because we're like, oh, it's a tithe. <laughs> well, it's not a, necessarily a tithe. It's just giving back to people. Yeah. So we love doing that in different ways. It's fun to do it outside of the church sometimes or set aside a certain amount of money and just like give it to people that you think are in need, whether it's a family member or a friend or someone on the street. Yeah. It's really fun. It's the joy of giving. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord from your wealth from your wealth, and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with the new wine. And that's not to say either that, you know, give all that you have and expect God to just give it back because it's not, God is not an ATM and he's not going to, that's not how it works, but you need to trust in him. Yeah. And I think when he says your vats will overflow with new wine, that's not always physical. So he may be using metaphors like he always does. When he talks about you'll be overflowing, that may mean spiritually, that may mean emotionally, you may be peaceful, you may have joy, like you may be so content with life because you're so generous and you're so godly that he pours his spirit into you even more, you know? Yeah. It's not like a financial thing all the time. Right. Or often probably. So we're going to finish off with some quick money-saving tips given to you by Anna, from Anna. Only mine? To us. didn't add any I didn't add anything. This is all you. These are not even like the best. Well, they're just... They kind of go all over the place. They're quick. They're quick. So just quick things. If you need a little bit of advice, here they are. 
Okay, number one, make a budget and actually check it to see if you keep up with it because it's really one one thing to make the budget, but it's another thing to see, did I actually stay within yeah. my budget? And there's lots of great apps out there for that. Um, if you're in debt, which I know a lot of people are, create a plan of payments and map out your path to getting out of debt rather than it just being some fantastical time in the future when you're going to maybe get out of debt. And if you don't really know how much you owe, you don't have like that number in your mind, then you're willing to just add on top of it versus being like, in 12 months after I spend XYZ dollars, like pay back, I'm going to be debt free. So you're more prone to actually do it. Piggybacking off of that is when I, when we bought the house, they gave us the option to roll some of the closing costs into the loan, meaning like the yeah. lo- instead of the loan being X, it would be X plus 5,000 or whatever. Yeah. And it's so tempting because it's like, I'm never going to pay off this house anyway, so might as well just Roll it owe up. Yeah. five, ten grand more. Who even cares? Yeah. You know, but that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And you're paying interest on it, so. Yeah. Automate bill paying. That's another one. So that If you of- can, if you're able. Like through your bank account? No, like if you have enough money. Oh, correct. Sorry. But I mean, yes, but you can even automate to at least do the minimum or whatever it is. You can set like a threshold to say automatically pay $10 of my bill, whatever it is, but make it Mm -hmm. automatic so that you don't have to consciously think about it. Just make it happen automatically. But yes, also make sure you're not getting like overdraft fees from it automatically happening. You can also set a reminder to let you know if you're going to do it when it's automatic. All this can be automated now. Uh, this is one that I put down, like Walmart versus Publix versus Whole Foods. Like I personally, like I mentioned, really enjoy grocery shopping. I don't particularly enjoy the atmosphere at like Walmart, but it's so incredibly cheaper that I go there when I buy like all of my groceries, like the big haul. Mm-hmm. And then I go to like Walmart or sorry, Publix to do like the fun little things after. So I spend yeah. a lot more money at Walmart, but a lot less than I would have if I did everything at like Publix. Yeah. And don't even get started on Whole Foods. Yeah, Whole Foods, I put it in there, but like that's like, I don't even know what it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, if you have 401k, this could be a little far reaching, but always match it because that's it, literally yeah, for money. Yeah, if your employer does the match. Yes, that's why I said yes. If you have a 401k and you have an employee match, you should always match it because that is free money that you get to roll out. Rachel doesn't like it, but it's because <laughs> she doesn't have one. Um, okay, and then. If you treat a credit card like a debit card, then you should definitely get a credit card because then you only pay at most 99% on like every purchase for the rest of your life, which is insane and adds up over time. And you get rewards on top of that, but you have to not build incredible amounts of debt, which some people are not capable of, in which case I say don't get a credit card. But if you can, there are some amazing perks and I can go and have an entire episode on credit cards and why you should do them, the perks and which one you should get. Yeah, maybe you should make that video. No, <laughs> but if someone were interested, they could ask us in our email yeah. and then I email them back. Or you could literally look it up on Google because that's how I know everything or anything. So one tip that I'll throw in is that <laughs> we should all try to save for some kind of real estate purchase. So what I mean is even if you're in a situation where you can only save a couple hundred dollars a month or whatever the case may be, in five years from now, you may have $10,000 to be able to put down on a house, and in 30 years, you'll be financially uh, free in the sense of you won't have a house payment or a rent payment, and you'll be able to pass down that generational real estate or wealth. Um, I think a lot of young people nowadays, they don't think about buying property because it's like, oh, well, I'm moving from here to there. I don't know where I'll be. That's cool, but in the meantime, you can save. Like you can still hop around and not settle down till you're 30, but why don't you save money between 20 and 30 so that when you are ready to settle down, 
you're you actually have the funds I just think that's a really common mindset of I don't have to stay for it because I'm not ready to do it yeah and then when you're ready you don't have the money yeah and then when you're ready you're like damn I can't do it because I have to save for another three years yeah, and if you really want to keep renting, buy the house, rent it to someone else, then they pay your rent for wherever you want to be nomadic for and moving around. Oh, yeah, so you're saying to buy the house and then immediately not live in it and Correct. rent it out and if still you were be really a nomad. Wanting to be, yeah, nomadic. Okay. Yeah, I just think real estate is such a good investment. Like Except our house, right now. well, it is for people who, are, who got in two years ago, like me. True. So it's never too late. It ebbs and flows. Yeah, it goes up and down. But over the long term, you can be building some crazy wealth. The market's so high right now that even if it crashed 30%, which is in, it would never. I mean, it could, but that would be crazy. Too big to fail. That's what they all said. It would still, I would still not be negative. That's how much it's grown over the past. Well, you might not be, but if someone bought it this year, they might be. Right. But the idea with real estate is that you don't sell it right away. You hold it. Yeah. And the beauty is that your mortgage never changes, but rent can always go up. Just something to think about, guys. Even if you can't save a lot of money, I encourage you to save what you can. Put it in a different bank account. Put it in a high-yield savings account. Yeah, get an emergency fund. Put it in a high-yield savings account and just let it sit there in case. Yeah, and auto, auto transfer 50 bucks a paycheck, whatever you can do. And then in five years, you'll be so surprised at how much more capable you are of reaching your goals. To the nth degree. <laughs> Literally. So that being said, send us an email at a small amount of drama at gmail.com and you may be featured on next week's episode. Yeah, you just might get featured. Let us know if you want us <laughs> to talk more about frugality, minimalism, money. Money. I could go all day on money. If there's anything you need advice on, relationships, faith, money, career, let we us know. We know everything. We, we have all the answers. All. We're not struggling at all <laughs> on our own. We're not conflicted about life and jobs and where we should live. <laughs> Give us a five-star review. Yeah, do that too. It really supports the podcast. And a comment. I don't think you can comment, but you can leave like a written review. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, a small amount of drama. Anna doesn't have an inst. Well, she does, but she's private, so you can't follow her. That's a fact. But you can follow me. My name is Rachel Bin. We actually have to say our names at the beginning. I keep forgetting. We have to say like, I'm hey, Rachel. Everyone. I'm Anna. I'm Rachel. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.